Welcome to Reader Seats Romance Channel's Romance Roundup. I am Liz Donatelli. And I'm Libby Kay, author of the Sweet Romance series, Buckeye Falls. Libby and I are excited to share must-read indie romances from the 2020s for you to add to your to-read lists. And Jenna Levine, USA Today best-selling author of Paranormal Romance, My Roommate is a Vampire, joins us for a chat. Also, our Paranormal Romance ebook bundle giveaway is still happening. It ends on October 20th, 2023. Check out episode four of Romance Roundup for details. If you're listening to us on Podbean or your podcast app of choice, then be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Also, watch Romance Roundup on Reader Seeks Romance's YouTube channel for fun graphics and visual effects, as well as exclusive bonus content. Be sure to like and subscribe. Libby, let the roundup begin. All right, giddy up, Liz. Here we go. So the first one I'm going to talk about, and I have them all with me today because you know I like a good show and tell, How to Kiss Your Best Friend by Jenny Proctor. It came out in May of 22 from Four Petal Press. And that's petals like the petals on a flower. It is the first of the How to Kiss a Hawthorne Brothers uh, book in the series. And I have read half of them, so two of them, if my math is correct. And uh, <laughs> it is it is exactly what you would expect from Libby Kay in terms of books that I like. It is uh, a sweet, uh, small town, friends to lovers rom-com. It is sappy, but there's really good tension. Um, the pacing is lovely. So let me give a little bit of background on this one for you. So. Brody Hawthorne is one of the four Hawthorne brothers. And let me tell you, you're going to love all four of them. They're delightful. And uh, he has his childhood friend, Kate. And um, because this is a romance novel, he's been in love with Kate for quite some time. Ooh. And while he is a uh, school teacher and is very into staying in their hometown, uh, she's a journalist and she's been out traveling the world. And so she's finally back home. And of course, he's decided they're just going to be friends and he's not going to, you know, do anything Thing about it you know traditional setup in most romance novels which right. I love so Kate's back in town and um, of course they're going to reconnect and Brody's going to really want to you know move things forward and he thinks that Kate's not interested and um, through a series of events they do share a kiss so gas <gasps> and uh, it's just so cute and so it's a lot of fun because I love these types of books where the friends or in this case the brothers are always the voice of reason, but there's always a side of humor and sass. And so um, that's also why I'm just so excited to finish reading this series, because the second one was just as enjoyable as the first. That was Perry. I think he's the second brother's story. Um, but these are, you know, three-dimensional characters. It's not just the, you know, afraid to fall in love thing. They have their reasons. Um, and I really liked um, just little things that Jenny Proctor did with this to make it stand apart from other small town romances. Um, and I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but I like when they have different jobs, like he's a chemistry teacher. And I just think that's cool because, yeah. you know, it's just a little something different. And he also is a kayak right. instructor. So I thought that was kind of cool because again, Ooh. you don't usually hear about kayaking. Yeah. You know, that's just, it's fun. I like it. It just changes yeah. it up a little bit. A so. real Renaissance man. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just thinking, I don't think I've ever read a romance where the male protagonist was a teacher. Really? Well, yeah, I don't think now I ever you have. can. Yeah, <laughs> now you well, can. that's exciting. <laughs> 
So I don't want to give away any of the other stuff in the story because I've probably already given away enough. But I have to say, this is the perfect, and you can read this as a standalone. Although after reading the first one, I'm like, I really need to know what happens with these other brothers. But um, they're just so, it's just such a cute story. And um, it does have an audiobook because I ended up listening to the second one. Um, if you use your local library, it's usually on Hoopla. So shameless plug for libraries right there. This was How to Kiss Your Best Friend by Jenny Proctor. It came out in May of 22 from Four Petal Press. What is your first indie pick for the 2020s? I have J.E. Leaks in the Shadow of the Past. So in the Shadow of the Past is a lesbian historical romance set in the U.S. during World War II. It was independently published in 2021 by J.E. Leak. So this is book one in a four book series that focuses on the same couple and their romance journey. It's, oh, that's fun that it's that it spreads out. Yes. I don't recall the last time I've read a series where it's one couple and you're following the evolution of their relationship over the course of many books. I mean, have you ever read? No. Something like, yeah. yeah. At most, usually it's like two, you know, if it's a dual point of view, right. you might get the other character, but usually it's not like a full series. That's really cool. The couple is Catherine, an undercover U.S. spy working as a sultry nightclub singer, and Jenny, a plucky local newspaper reporter who is determined to bring her father's murder to justice. Oh, so, Yes. And to be honest, I can't actually reveal much more uh, except to say that both of their objectives end up crisscrossing with each other. So um, and it is a real page turner. I devoured this book. J.E. Leak absolutely nails the noir 1940s vibe. Her lush descriptions of 40s clothing and hairstyles, her use of 40s slang and that era's just manner of speaking, as well as her references to daily life during the wartime, um, are just vibrant and engaging and really resonate as authentic. An interesting side note is that J.E. works in antiquities. Oh. So she already has kind of a background and love of history. So, um, so yeah, so I feel like it was the story was even more brought to life by expert hands, you know. Is the whole series throughout the war? It does take place throughout the war. Like the last book is when the war comes to an end. In the Shadow of the Past is thick with intrigue. It's slow burn sexy. Ooh. And it explores a setting that honestly I've never read about in in historical romance where it's in the U.S. I've read a lot of historical romance during World War II set in Europe, but yeah. to read it where you're immersed in U.S. life and the war ethic and, you know, um, rationing and different things, like that's not something I've normally read. So I thought that was really unique. Um, I'm picturing like Rosie the Riveter vibes. Yes, yes, it, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> 
Uh, the romantic relationship and the burgeoning love affair, because we really start building Catherine and Jenny's relationship, you know, kind of overcoming their reluctance to get together. And it's like, you know, like I said, it's a slow burn, but eventually, you know, they agree to go on this romantic journey together. And then that just builds with each book. And uh, it's just beautifully written and um, really authentic on the page. I mean, you almost start to forget you're reading a book and you actually think you're just reading about these real two, these two people who really existed during the war and, you know, fell in love with each other. So, so yeah. So that is In the Shadow of the Past by J.E. Leak. Where are you going to take us next on our indie romance journey, Libby? Okay, well, we're going from uh, the World War II home front to Washington, D.C., modern day hockey players. Oh, <laughs> um, I knew there'd be a hockey player. Hey, it took a lot for me to only pick one because I have like a million of them. But then I found out the one that I most recently read was not indie. So anyway, okay. but it's all about hockey players. So this one that I want to talk about is Desire or Defense. It's by Leah Bruner. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Uh, independently published, came out April of this year of 23. And um, I, I'm going to say that I love this book, but it is a it is different from the normal hockey uh, romances I've been reading because it is not steamy. It is very sweet oh. and very poignant. And I, I don't want to give away too much of the backstory, but and I'm not because this is like the first chapter. But um, right. this has all the tropes you're expecting from a contemporary hockey romance. It's you know, it has all the sports elements. And as someone who knows nothing about hockey, you'll still enjoy the book entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like I said, it is sweet. It is closed door. It is grumpy sunshine. Um, the thing that makes it stand apart um, from the indie books I've read this year is that I really liked how she covered the topic of grief. Um, because the heroine um, is the guardian of her brother because their parents uh, passed suddenly. And so that is a huge plot point. And I felt like it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, not to sound callous, but, you know, sometimes you read books and they're like, oh, and don't forget their parents died. This one was like they're actively coming through, you know, going through the beginning stages of the grief process. And I really it was just there was a few moments where I had to stop reading because I'm like, oh, gosh, this is breaking my heart. And it was just very authentic and it didn't feel gimmicky which I know sounds weird but it was just very good and the the issues that our hero Mitch have are again also very authentic and I thought very accurately done like he has anger management issues that stem from something that happened in his childhood and they handle that in my opinion in a realistic manner so um to get to the actual plot of the book is uh, we have a defenseman on this fictional DC Eagles hockey team. I actually had to Google to make sure that that wasn't the actual hockey team in DC <laughs> uh, because that's how little I know sports. Uh, but <laughs> mm-hmm. so, but it's he is a defenseman on the DC Eagles, and because of one too many fights, they suspend him for 15 games and make him the coach of a youth uh, hockey league because that sounds like the right thing to do to someone with anger issues is put him in a rink with a lot of children. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> but it works. Uh, and here's why. Uh, our hero, Andy, her brother, Noah, also is, as I mentioned, going through the grieving process. And he and Mitch um, just at first butt heads and then immediately they have this connection. And so the story follows kind of Mitch finding his way, Andy finding her way, and then the two of them finding their way together. So, and I won't give up any more of the plot on that, but like I said, it was super sweet. Um, The biggest takeaway from this book that um, I still randomly think about and laugh is their love language was sandwiches. Like, come on, who doesn't love a good sandwich? (laughs) 
So that means that they made sandwiches for each other as shows perfection? Yeah, and he would bring her a tray of sandwiches. And I thought, that's not bad. <laughs> so I instead think, of flowers, yeah, flowers or candy, it'd be yep, sandwiches. Bring me a tray of sandwiches. And honestly, I really think I would prefer that. So I'm going to start telling my husband, like, you know what? I think sandwiches need to be the next gift. <laughs> I love that. Now, my husband once gave me a bag of meats, which is a long story, <laughs> um, in a Ziploc bag. Like, just random pieces of meat? Yeah, I came back from a, a trip and I came back and he brought a Ziploc of all these meats he had made and left over. So I guess there was like a burger, <laughs> there was chicken, there was all these meats. He's like, oh, I thought you'd be hungry and there's no food in your house. And he brought me a Ziploc bag of his meat. leftover meat. <laughs> but I like, I love the sandwich thing. I love that. Yes, it's it's very sweet and it fits the story. It's not just like, a and now there's sandwiches. Like it's. It was just, I don't know. It was one of those things I didn't think I needed that as a love language. And now I do. It's super cute. Again, that was Desire or Defense by Leah Brunner. And this came out in April of 23. Sweet hockey romance. um, I think it's a must read in my opinion. Going back to what you mentioned about the authenticity of grief Mm -hmm. and parental grief, because you're right. I have read a number of romances where Parental grief is mentioned as a throwaway, but also as a as a way of just giving the character more conflict or more just angst, you know, without it really exploring anything. It's oh well, you know, uh, both my parents died. It was always a car crash too. Like I've always I've read a bunch of books where it's like (laughs) oh yeah, both the parents were in a car crash. One parent was in a car crash, and it's just kind of thrown in there just to create the illusion of a more robust story, but yet doesn't really go anywhere. So I like that um, this exploration of grief is. Uh, serves a purpose, serves a true yes. purpose. Yeah, And I feel you can tell the difference between how the younger brother is going through it and the sister who's in her late 20s is going through it because yeah. she was an adult out of the house when it happened. So yeah. again, I just thought I, it was just, it, it it added to the story. It didn't take away from it. It yeah. was really, I liked it. Now we're, we're going from uh, sweet hockey romances to where, Liz? <laughs> we are swinging into the jungle with Love in the Wild, a Tarzan retelling. What? (laughs) That's what everyone says when I mention it. I have been singing this romance's praises for years. So this is independently published by storyteller extraordinaire Emma Castle. And it was published in 2020. Okay. When I first read Love in the Wild, I recommended it to everybody. And the source material is the Edgar Rice Burroughs classic story, Tarzan of the Apes. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Or I have haven't read it. read it, but I am familiar with it. I My brain automatically went to the Alexander Skarsgård version, which I'm sure is an abomination to Tarzan enthusiasts. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Alexander Skarsgård and anything for me equals a win. <laughs> Interesting you say that because there is a... Alexander Skarsgård vibe to the book cover. The book cover is gorgeous. The book cover is absolutely gorgeous. So here is the gist. Thorn, who is the Tarzan character, uh, Thorn is a man raised by gorillas and living in the jungles of Africa. 
And he swoops in and saves the life of Eden, a photographer on assignment in Africa. Thorne takes Eden back to his jungle home in a treetop, and she is compelled by his beauty and seeks to uncover Thorne's mysterious past. Thorne immediately imprints on Eden and recognizes her as his mate, his partner, Mm -hmm. which normally that type of imprinting insta-love, you're like, oh, but keep in mind, he was raised in the wild. By gorillas, you said. Right. So imprinting, sexual imprinting, romantic imprinting um, is, is, makes sense for his particular character. So actually it doesn't sound as fantastical as it might, but what's good is that Eden doesn't follow suit and is like, okay, well, uh, you think I'm your mate. So I love you now. It does take Eden time to build the love on her end. I can't really reveal much because there's a lot of story that I really wouldn't want to ruin for anyone because it's just fantastic to read and, and discover on your own for the first time. Emma Castle does a fantastic job of writing a believable, compelling romance as opposed to a cartoonish parody of Tarzan, which is probably what readers, you know, Mm -hmm. think of or what comes to mind. It's a steamy romance with a lot of heart. It's beautifully written. The descriptions of the natural world that Thorne inhabits is so rich. There is some genuinely entertaining fish out of water humor. That you don't really see coming. And it's like, oh, that is really funny. There's also a dash of magic. Oh. Which is unexpected, but welcome. And uh, yeah, it's just beautifully executed on every level. And Emma respectfully writes of tribal life in Africa. Oh, that's interesting. And there's even an author note at the beginning detailing the efforts she took to make sure she was respectful. That's really nice. Yeah. So um, it's not like hokey. And I rarely say this, but I would love to reread Love in the Wild. As I was preparing for this episode, I was like, you know, I really, really want to reread it. And actually, I did interview Emma on episode 16 of Reader Seeks Romance on YouTube. If you'd like to learn more about the behind the scenes of writing the novel or even behind the scenes of creating the book cover, because there's a great story behind that. But uh, yeah, so that is Love in the Wild by Emma Castle. Where to next, Libby? All right. Well, I went from sweet to unbelievably steamy. My next one is Don't You Dare by C. Ricci, uh, independently published in March of 22. Uh, This is a standalone romance, and it is unbelievably steamy and so good. Like, oh, my God. So um, it is it is a gay romance. It features two male leads. Um, It is considered new adult because it takes place in college, which we all know is not usually my favorite. I usually like things that are a little older in age. But um, yeah, this was one of those that was all over book talk and bookstagram. And I just I couldn't avoid it. And I thought, you know what to heck with it. I'm just going to get it. So I'm so glad I did. Um, So basically, the gist of it is, and I don't want to give too much away because it is like an emotional roller coaster. Like, yes, it's steamy, but I was getting ridiculously invested in these two guys. So um, it follows Keen and Aspen, like the city. Um, They are childhood friends. They grew up together. They went to high school together. And at the end of high school, they end up playing a very steamy, uh, read lustful uh, game of Don't You Dare. And they end up sharing a very passionate kiss. So one of the characters 
already knows that he is gay. The other one went through a bi awakening and uh, they end up going to college together and they are roommates. So, you know, the forced proximity is one of my favorite tropes. Yes. So this isn't just I mean, there's a lot of steam. It isn't just the steamy stuff. They really delve into both of their childhoods, both of, you know, um, the why they're studying what they're studying at school. One of them's a baseball player. Again, I don't even like baseball. Why do I read all these sports romances? But uh, one of them is a baseball <laughs> player. The other one is I just remember he had a leather jacket all the time. I can't even remember what he did in school. <laughs> He wore all of the time. He was the cool guy. Yeah, he was the cool guy. He stood in a corner and smoked cigarettes or something. Actually, I don't think he smoked. I'm thinking of something else. But anyway, the point (laughs) is, uh, (laughs) so it follows these two as friends. And I really liked how it talked about their sexuality. It talked about um, their feelings about other relationships in their life. And I will not give away anything about this, but uh, leading up to the traditional third act breakup, like I was actually devastated when it happened because it was not what either of them were expecting. And it wasn't, I mean, in some ways I was like, oh, this is going to be cliche, but it wasn't. And it wasn't what you expected when the twist happened and the reactions were not what I expected. And that's what I liked. Like the one person you would think, uh, I think this guy is going to be the one to do it. And it was the opposite. And it was just so good. And it it just, I I mean, I got a little misty reading it because you're just, you're invested in these guys and you're like, oh, what are these crazy kids doing? But it was just... I don't know. It was just one of those books that, you know, you read stuff and you're like, oh, yeah, it was steamy. Like, I'm glad I found it on, you know, Bookstagram or whatever. But this one, I just felt like there was a lot more like tension and angst and there was like meat behind it. It wasn't just this fluffy like, oh, and he's, you know, he has anxiety. It's like, okay, but what else? Yeah. So it just felt like there was a lot more um, going on. And it is a standalone. I don't believe there's any intents of making this a series of any kind. And I it did have a very satisfying ending. I will say that it was, it did get okay. an HEA at the end. So it sounds as if the breakup was a real gut punch moment. Yes. Yes, it was. And those are the ones that, man, they get you. And you just feel this visceral, like, oh God, I, I don't want, like, you feel sick to your stomach. And I wonder what it is about certain romances that resonate with us in such a way that we physically feel sick by the thought of them being separated. Yes. Yes. Because they, they make, or um, Richie makes such a point of, you know, showing, not just telling mm-hmm. how these were literal childhood friends. Like they had, mm-hmm. you know, similar upbringings but they always were each other's rock and so having their relationship shift and then having this you know impediment come up and shape how they decide to to be together in the end it was just I mean I felt so invested it was ridiculous and um just really and I'm gonna try to find some more of Richie's books because I'm hoping they're all this gut-wrenching because I don't like that all the time that's why I like I gravitate towards sweet stuff but sometimes I just want my heart ripped out knowing it'll get put back in though I don't like you know, yeah. just sad books for the sake of sad but yeah. um this one was one that I definitely felt was worth all the hype I was seeing on social media I definitely yeah. if you're up for something that's super steamy and super angsty I would definitely read Don't You Dare by C. Richie like I said independently published came out last spring Wow. Now I have to ask, how do you play? Yes. Don't you dare. Uh, it's basically like, uh, it makes me think that no, this is in no way what it was like, but it makes me think of the scene in a Christmas Carol where, or no, not a Christmas Carol, a Christmas story where they jump right ahead to the triple dog Daria. Um, and so it's kind of like truth or dare. So, um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Don't yeah. you dare. So. But I like that. That's sexy. Don't you dare. No, trust me. It's sexy as hell. <laughs> 
I, I bet it is. Are we allowed to swear on the show? <laughs> Why? What do you want to say? Oh, I just said sexy as hell. I just oh, oh, that's, that's oh no, that's that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Liz, we have gone from my steamy pseudo baseball college romance. What is what is next on our list of indie reads uh, picks? Well, now we go to another planet. All right. <laughs> we are all over the place today and I'm here for it. <laughs> yes, we are. I have chosen an alien abduction sci-fi romance called Strange Love by New York Times and USA Today bestselling author Anna Aguirre, who independently published this novel in 2020. Ooh. And as you know, Libby, this <laughs> is a book that was highly recommended to me, to you, to everyone in our book club by our fellow book clubber. This is book one in Galactic Love. It is a three book series. And this series promises seriously awkward characters, talking pets, big consent energy, and extreme softness. <laughs> so that gives you an overview of what the series you could expect in the series and also in Strange Love. I'm loving the description, so please tell me more. <laughs> Strange oh. Love is a perfect sci-fi romance between a cinnamon roll alien, Xylar, and a human woman, Beryl, who's seeking to find her place in the universe. Actually, both of them are trying to find their place. Beryl is accidentally abducted from Earth, specifically St. Louis, by Xylar, who is considered a loser on his planet. Aww. Xylar is in search of a nest guardian to present at the Barrett Colony's annual choosing ceremony. And if he fails to do so, then he will lose his chance to ever have a mate. Oh, <laughs> I know. Poor Xylar. I know. He's such a sweetheart. There's not much more I could go into without spoiling things, but there is a talking dog. So Beryl's dog is abducted with her because she's walking her dog when there's the abduction. What and the kind do of dog is it? I don't remember. It's a little oh. one. I don't know. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was like a big, cute, like. No, no, no. It's, it's a little dog. It's a little dog. And the dog does not speak when it's on earth, but it does speak. When it is um, on the planet and the plant on the on this Barath Barath colony. OK, so what's interesting about the story is that neither one of them are attracted to each other. They both find each other kind of repulsive because he finds humans strange looking. She finds him strange looking. And there's a picture of Xylar on the book cover and it almost looks uh, like from Terminator or something like. Not to, you mean you know, like, like the first one or the second one where he's like the um, silver puddly guy in the second one? No, or like, it like looks like a pod head. <laughs> I don't even know what was that, that means. Was that in Terminator? <laughs> Maybe it is a Terminator. I you am thinking Predator. You're thinking Predator. Yes, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm thinking of Predator. <laughs> I know my Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> okay, yeah, you do. It looks almost like a big insect head type of thing oh, okay. like an anthropod okay. arthropod one of those yeah okay. it looks like a pod head so beryl agrees to be his nest guardian for the choosing ceremony and uh they do fall for each other in a really sweet opposites attract romance it's very funny and 
mostly from their miscommunication because they speak to each other not really in the same language. At one point, it's so strange. I looked, I highlighted this line in Strange Love. Beryl at one point says that she's so hungry she would slap a nun for a ham sandwich. (laughs) And I highlighted that because, you know, I thought that was really funny. It was a really funny turn of phrase. Yeah, Um, I feel like we should use that in our everyday life. (laughs) I think we should. I think we should. Uh, It is just strangely wonderful. And it's a really, it's such, it sounds crazy to say that it's an authentic love story. You really believe that they have fallen in love and they're both each other's support system and champion. Um, So yeah, it's a really sweet uh, alien romance, Strange Love by Anna Aguirre. You might have convinced me. If nothing else, I'm just intrigued by all of the descriptions. <laughs> oh, and there is sex. In the- okay. I mean, I figured this had to have a certain yeah, level yeah, of steam. Yeah. <laughs> Again, no steamy, judgment. steamy. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's appropriately sexual. Okay. I like it. Libby and I are excited to welcome our very first author guest on Romance Roundup. Jenna Levine is the USA Today bestselling debut author of My Roommate is a Vampire, published in August 2023 by Berkeley. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me on. It is a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to talk about the book. Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to talk about it as well. Excellent. So, um, and as I mentioned in um, our paranormal episode, I'm not much of a paranormal romance reader, but this book, I absolutely loved it. Um, I It was at our local bookstore and I got it on a whim because I'm like, oh my gosh, the cover is just so cute. And uh, it surpassed all of my expectations. So I'm really oh excited my goodness. about it. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, the cover, the cover is amazing. My cover artist, um, like I want to put a shrine to her in my home. I mean, she did just such a Seriously. fabulous job. So Jenna, my first question I wanted to ask, since this is your debut, did you always want to be a romance author? And so, if so, did you know that you wanted to have it be something on the paranormal side? Uh, I guess the answer to both those questions is no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can extrapolate yeah, <laughs> on that. Um, so this is definitely a second career for me. Uh perhaps a third career. Um, I've been a practicing attorney uh, for more than 20 years. And uh, I still, that is still technically my day job. Um, And I teach as well. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm on leave this semester for reasons that might be apparent. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, And so I always loved creating. I always loved writing. But I think from a very early age, I think I figured out incorrectly, you know, uh, that it's a really unstable life. It's uncertain. You can spend years working hard towards it and never sell a book, never find an agent. You could sell a book and, you know, and I'm a very risk averse person. Um, I think most people who go into law are uh, to some extent. And so, um, about 15 years ago, I started writing fan fiction online as a way to kind of, okay, so I have my job 
that's very hard and very demanding, but this is a way that I can do this and have it be fun and it's an outlet and some people will read it, they may like it or not, but it wasn't. And so it scratched that creative itch. Um, mm-hmm. But I really, it wasn't until maybe five years ago um, that I thought this could potentially be something I could do. And I think I, because I am a risk averse person, you know, it was something that I really only felt I could do after I'd been a lawyer for a long time. You know, I will be 50 in a couple of years. I've been working for a long time in this field. I felt like I had a cushion that Mm. might be there for me in a way I would not have had when I was a younger person. And so um, I sort of, when the pandemic came, I was like, I feel like, okay, I think a lot of people were like, let's make big changes. Um, (laughs) And it just really happened very quickly after that. As for paranormal, um, I've always loved romance novels. And I also really love absurd humor, which if you've read the book, you may have guessed. Yes. Which, and that was one of my favorite parts of the book was I didn't expect the humor. And that was really nice because it just kind of, it popped up at the perfect spot in each, in each chapter. I love it. I'm really happy to hear that. And uh, so I felt like if I wanted to, if I was going to do this, I wanted to write things that were funny. And um, I feel like paranormal really gives more opportunities for things to just be ridiculous than contemporary romances. I mean, there's definitely, you can make contemporary romances very funny, Um, but there are things that you can't do. Um, Like Frederick has a very unusual power, for example, that's not something you can- Oh, with the fruit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Pandemic was very stressful. I was like, I would like to write a offbeat thing. And so paranormal, Um, I, I feel like my real interest is in, sort of maybe traditional contemporary romance tropes. Uh, But this particular situation, the paranormal aspect allowed it to be offbeat in a way that appealed to me. Looking at Frederick, your hero, um, how how did you decide how, how did you decide how to make him and specifically how did you decide which like stereotypes with vampires to give him because there's so many different ways to tell a vampire story there are i think i knew pretty early on that i wanted it to be a fish out of water story and there are vampire stories out there and so much lore but i was influenced by um the vampire stories i have loved over the years so buffy um Anyone who's read the novel, Buffy plays, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a a couple scenes referencing things that happen in that show. And, you know, I knew I wanted it to be a lighthearted paranormal. And so, you know, there's a lot of wonderful vampire stories that are dark and scary. I mean, vampires are traditionally. And so I didn't borrow much from those. So I I steered kind of towards the lighter. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I I think that's kind of what made the book stand apart is it didn't feel like, and not that there's anything wrong with the others, but it didn't feel like. Not at all. No, um, absolutely not. It just wasn't the book that I was writing. Mm -hmm. Did you have anyone in particular in mind when you were writing Frederick or is he kind of a combination of a bunch of different people? Yeah. You know, a lot of people have asked me who my fan cast is. Yeah. I I really don't have one. I don't really picture, I guess I'm not a very visual person. Um, my daughter is an artist and she, is, she like thinks in shapes and pictures. And I really don't like, 
tall, dark, and handsome. Like that. I, I mean, just gen- generic, uh, yeah. just tall, broad-shouldered, hot. Like I didn't really, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get asked that a lot. And I just, there really isn't anyone. No, that's, I mean, it was, yeah. And- Tall, dark, and handsome is basically, especially in the Nordstrom scene, I was like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I immediately said to my husband, I'm like, hey, babe, I think we need to go to Nordstrom for some new jeans. Right. (laughs) Um, And so kind of shifting gears to Cassie, um, your heroine, because you kind of just alluded to the art thing. Yeah. Was it harder or easier to, to write Cassie since she's just a human? In some ways, she was harder. Like, in a lot of ways, I identify with Frederick more. Not the whole vampire thing. Um, but, like, I, in a lot of ways, feel like I'm kind of lost and confused in the modern age. Like, yes. the Taylor Swift stuff and the Instagram stuff, all of that was a bit of a self-insert. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have nothing against Taylor Swift. I just am... Maybe not her demographic. And I feel like, especially since romance, like the romance reading and writing community trends considerably younger than than me, a lot of it, like a lot of sort of what I'm learning, having to learn how to navigate, like TikTok, mm-hmm. um, I very much feel like somebody who's been asleep for a hundred years. Because she's a human, like it, it um, wasn't that difficult, but I'm, I, I'm very different from her in a lot of ways. And so that like writing a human, who is radically different from me as a person was a challenge. So Mm -hmm. did your daughter influence any of uh, the art mentioned references in the book? Because that's obviously a huge part of Cassie's character. Yeah. So I, uh, having her be an artist, you know, was sort of inspired by my kid a little bit, but everything else about her, like that's sort of how I decided what she would do. Um, But like the kind of art, everything else about this character including the kind of art she does was um I just I wanted her to I mean it was partly my daughter but partly I also wanted her to have the kind of career aspirations and interests that would be completely foreign to somebody like Frederick like I Mm -hmm. wanted you know I wanted her to have like the most bizarre what the heck is that kind of art style something that would really confuse somebody like him if she were an art like a more conventional kind of artist I don't think it would have created the same kind of yeah friction at the beginning but I did like how and I won't give away much but I like how when she moved in with the decorating conversation I just I really again it really showed you both sides of their characters and I really like that I'm so happy to hear that <laughs> so, so um I know this is always a question you're not supposed to ask authors but who was your favorite character and why is it Reginald <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, and I, I just <laughs> yeah no I I was about to say it's Reginald but okay, you good. beat me <laughs> to the punch. Um, I think that I he allowed me to be as like he allowed me to indulge my most banana pants uh <laughs> instincts as a writer. Like I couldn't have the main characters be that out there uh or it would have been very difficult um yeah no I just loved everything about writing him he was just complete fun and like I didn't have to put any guardrails around him so he was fabulous I'm so happy to hear you also (laughs) enjoy him yes he was a trip I enjoyed him from the beginning (laughs) I'm thrilled and Reginald is Frederick's familiar? Is that yeah kind of like a but he's a vampire too so I guess he's not technically a familiar like a helper yeah 
He, uh, they have a complicated relationship. Uh, Reginald owes Frederick one in a big way. He's kind of making up for some stuff. And so he kind of helps him. But it's, I think, a time-bound helping relationship. Like, it's not a permanent thing. <laughs> but no, he, I really, just so much fun and just kind of kept everything. Not, I mean, not that it was a heavy story, but it kept it light. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you, <laughs> that you enjoyed that. Seriously, this was such a treat. Really enjoyed it. And I cannot recommend it enough for oh, paranormal fans and non-paranormal fans alike. It was just, it's a story that just works. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled. Thank you for joining us, Jenna. Watch the rest of Jenna's Romance Roundup interview on Reader Seeks Romance channel on YouTube. And that is our roundup. Be sure to subscribe to Reader Seeks Romance on YouTube so that you don't miss out on bonus content and extras. And be sure to subscribe to Romance Roundup on Podbean or your preferred podcast app. Thanks for joining us, romance readers. Happy reading, everyone.